Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Okay guys, welcome to this week's episode of Heavy Metal Tones with me, your podcast host and metal mad man, Tony Evans, here in sunny Canberra in Australia. Uh, as you would have known if you listened to the last episode, uh, uh, that this month is going to be Sabbath month. If you hadn't listened to the last episode, well, more for you, it was a good one, um, but also welcome aboard. So the next four weeks are going to be... Uh, my take on Sabbath. It won't be albums that you recognise. Well, you will recognise it. Won't be albums. Oop, knocked my tea, my microphone. It won't. Um, it won't be albums that you would normally probably think of as the ones I'd pick. But they are ones that are not necessarily my favourite albums, although a couple of them are. Um, like this particular first one, uh, Black Sabbath's Sabotage, is not my favourite. Of all, by all means, of the uh, Aussie era um, recordings. This is how we're going to do it. We're going to go Aussie, then we're going to go Dio, then we're going to go Tony Martin, then we're going to probably... The fourth one is still in the, up in the air. I'd like you guys to vote and let me know which one you want. I'm thinking it's going to be either another Tony Martin album or another um, Aussie album. I won't be doing any of the Glenn Hughes stuff or any of that sort of stuff. Um, so... Uh, a little bit of a little bit of first some housekeeping. Um, this album does, and we will talk about um, mental health. So those that are um, suffering with mental health, or living with people who are suffering with mental health, or think they may have need to speak, reach out and speak out to people, please do so. Um, it is more um, pernicious in our society than you think. All of us are touched in our lives by someone with mental health. Uh, my father at the moment is going through dementia, um, and so it's sort of it. It is very um, easy to run away and bury your head in the sand, but please, guys, do reach out. Um, there are plenty of organisations in the local area. I will put a link in once for camp for Australia. Um, the countries that you're living in would also have an equivalent to. Um, to do this, to reach out, and it does save lives. Anyway, heaviness over, more heaviness to begin. So, Sabotage, um, the sixth studio album from the mighty Black Sabbath, um, and it was released on the 20th of July, 1975, recorded at Morgan Studios in Wilsdon. Now, Wilsdon was literally five minutes down the road from me. We used to drive past the studios on the bus, and my brother would point out, oh, you know, look, you know, um, the Pistols recorded there, or um, Led Zeppelin recorded there. Whoever he would just point out, and um, he would often, as a youth, hang around the studio doors to get um, autographs of the bands coming in and out. Um, by the time I got to it, that they'd moved on. Uh, sadly, they didn't record there anymore. The album runs at forty-three minutes and forty-four seconds in length. Um, it is re- produced by Black Sabbath as a band in whole, which basically Tony Iommi and Mike Butcher. Um, I've written down here in big red letters that this is, and pardon my French here, uh, the Mindfuck album. 
uh, and I think it really is a case of mindfuck. It was named Sabotage because um, the band itself was going through um, litigation against the old management over royalties and manage and the way they were being managed, and so they thought they were being sabotaged from all um, areas. Um, so, uh, I tell you, Naomi said that he felt he was being, yeah, shot up from all sides. That was his quote. It's also why the, this album is one of the heaviest of the of the early set um, of albums, and I think it's my favourite uh, of the heavy early set ones. Um, I mean, Tony Iommi says goes on record in his book. I highly recommend his book, Iommi, uh, Iron Man. Sorry, uh, that he says that he felt that um, Sabbath, Bloody Sabbath, the album before wasn't really a heavy rock album. There was too much orchestration too much keys and when they took it on tour they had to have a permanent um, keyboard player on the stage which is the first time that's happened with them mm. and I I don't particularly enjoy Sabbath Bloody so I love the album cover and I love all Sabbath really let's be honest who doesn't but there's sort of a point where you go mm, not not my pick I could have picked that for the unusualness of the album that it is more light, lighter more orchestrated but I think this one itself um they did recently work through the night on this album, according to Tony and, and Bill Ward. Tony would spend hours and hours and hours on his guitar sound, and Bill Ward was using early forms of of drum gates. So he was, he was he, uh, his uh, tom drum was being recorded and then gated, so it would echo backwards. And it was um, he did the same thing with his cymbals, and that's quite obvious in a lot of this album actually. And um, it does create a sort of calypso. Um, African uh, rhythm, uh, which I think Bill Ward would have taken from his hero uh, Ginger Baker, because uh, Ginger Baker was big into the that sort of that sort of sound. Um, it uh, the album cover. Let's talk about the album cover now. Uh, very interesting story about the album cover. So everyone looks at the album cover and sees, you know, it's a mirror and it's Aussie and some tights and some guy in the band and is really hippie kind of clothing and the reason that happened is that they thought that they were they come to the the, the photography um studio to just do um a trial run photograph and the photographs and, and the concept was done by bill ward's drum tech who at the time was a um uh, a graphic designer graham wright and uh, he convinced the band to do it now once they saw the photographs they thought, oh, hang on, we can't have this. This isn't very, very heavy, hard rock. But the band were under that apprehension, or, well, they took more photographs, but they were under the misconception that they were going to superimpose the other pictures over the front of the album uh, later on, but they never did. And um, I think I, probably due to budget constraints and getting the record out on time. Um, it is considered one of the worst album covers of all time. I... I honestly, it reminds me a lot of a Jeff O'Toole's um, album, um, the, uh, with the with teacher on it. Um, do you know what? I've got an absolutely blank. One moment. See, this is uh, this is what happens when you up late watching the football. Hang on, benefit. That's it. Brain bloody freeze moment. So it reminds me of the feel of benefit. And it's not around, it's all around the same sort of period of time as well, interestingly enough. Um, and, you know, they've certainly done worse albums. I think 13 is possibly the worst album they've did, uh, cover-wise. Um, so, you know, I think it sort of, it helps to, it sort of screeches, um, it sort of screeches uh, sort of midlife crisis, six albums in. Um, at the time, the band were going through some very heavy drug and alcohol abuse issues. And, um, you know, they'd been thrown into the spotlight. They were one of the biggest bands in the world at the time. Um, album sales were going through the roof. Uh, you know, they had a you know, singles, not really a singles band, but singles doing well, albums doing well. Massive in America, which is, of course, where you want to be to make that kind of money. Um, you know, they're, you know, poor, 
lads from Birmingham and the surrounds of Birmingham used to be called a man called Moon uh, and a good friend of mine Kate who I was only talking to about like talking to last night because she's an Aston Villa fan and my beloved West Ham beat them 1-0 <laughs> just thought I'd put that in there um, and she saw them when they were called uh, Earth not Moon they were called Earth she saw them at a pub when they were record playing as a band called Earth she also saw uh, was at the recording of Amagama by Pink Floyd so you know some people have all the, all the fucking luck don't they um, time and place I suppose time and place Anyway, so they were, they were going through a lot of uh, drug and alcohol abuse, and this this is where the depression comes in. It brought on a lot of depression in all the band. The only member of the band that wasn't being treated for clinical depression at the time was Tony Iommi, and I think he was too focused, to be honest with you, um, because he's sort of like the riff master, the lord of the riff. Um, you know, he he's consumed by the band and its direction and its music, and he's producing and he's he, he's writing and he's orchestrating. Um, I don't think he had time for the the in the space in them in his mind, um, it, although he probably did to 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 let those demons come in. You know, doubt um, and paranoia and all the things that. Are the curse of humanity and and creativity and so you know um i don't think he let i don't think he let the band management stuff get to him as well i think he let the other members of the band sort of deal with that um which sort of may have been a, a way of uh, defending himself mentally uh it goes to show though because the riffing in this album um, we'll go through song by song later on, but the riffing in this album is, is, you know, is top top quality, isn't it? It's probably some of the best he's produced up until that point. Um, I don't know. People will roll their eyes and think, well, well hang on, no war pigs and paranoid. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I still say my favourite because we're not going to cover this album, so I'm going to tell you now, just as an honourable mention, my favourite guitar solo, and Matt Coombs knows this. Um, cleverly pointed out in the face group chat earlier um facebook group chat earlier is dirty women and the reason i love the guitar solo in dirty women is it's so um bluesy it's so filthy dirty bluesy off an album that really is so derided and, and unloved and i don't and i don't understand it i think technical ecstasy is yeah the album cover's awful you know if the, if i said 13's awful i think technical technical ecstasy is awful uh, it reeks of just get it done, boys. Um, that cover, um, but the actual album itself, uh, yeah, it's a mix and match of things that don't go places, and you know, dead ends and false beginnings and craziness. Um, pop culture, metal, rock, blues, jazz—it's um, all there. But underlying it, right at the end of the album, is. Dirty Women, and when I saw him, I saw Sabbath for the very last time uh, with my good friends Millsy and my wife Karen, my good friend Millsy and my wife and my mate Dave um, at, uh, in Sydney during their thirteenth their their, their um, final you know tour. Uh, he finished playing his white Strat. He played um, Dirty Women. Uh, was it his white strat or his white SG? Like I'm not sure. Can't look, it was too long ago now. But all I remember is being up in the bloody fucking gods because we couldn't get tickets anywhere else, and I cried my eyes out. I sat there and I openly wept because it was the last time, you know, I was going to see the band live. That I saw them at my very first gig, and my favourite guitar solo and. It was just like, and there he was, centre stage, you know, Tony in the spotlight. I know he's recording at the moment, and it looks like he's going to release a few albums coming up, um, solo albums with guest members from Sabbath, uh, I believe, and also some big, big guests I've heard rumoured. Um, it was just magical. So yes, uh, he is. I think he surrounds himself with his work, and, and that saves his mental state. Um, so Sabotage, as I said, some of the best guitar riffs 
that he wrote up until that point. Obviously, if I was to dissect later albums, I'd probably find other ones. I think this is Geezer's strongest album. I think is absolutely Bill Ward's. Um, I think this is where Bill, Bill Ward let free and let open because it feels um, like Bill Ward is not there but there. Um, he's not brutalizing you with his rhythms, but he's drawing you along with his syncopation and his work with cymbals and this whole sort of, you know, it's quite proggy in a lot of respects. And I know I keep coming back to prog, but it is quite proggy in a lot of respects because it's vastly different to a lot of things that things were being done at the time. You know, um, it sort of, it's, um, recording was, it wasn't, it wasn't done like it is now. So it was done live in the studio. Um, you know, I think I watched a documentary of it that they basically, um, ply, uh, recorded through, um, Shaw's, Shaw speakers, I'm sorry, mics, um, and they mic'd the room and played the room. I don't think I think there would have been some vocal overdubs, and of course there would have been some guitar overdubs. It's quite a layered album. It's uh, um, I look at it and think that it's uh, I think it's I think it's their Sergeant Pepper actually. It's their Pet Sounds, you know. It's their English Settlement. Um, I could name loads, right? Um, it's their OK Computer. It's it's you know it's their it's their layered textured. Um, 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 monolith of an album uh, because it uh, they move forward after that and become a little more um, a little more straightforward even though that they said that they moved away from Sabbath Bloody Sabbath sort of textures there's still a lot laid off there's still a lot of toys they're playing with here um, you know there's definitely I mean a lot of, even though you don't quite hear it, um, you know, Tony's really pushing his uh, his crybaby wah on a lot of the solos. Um, and if you don't know what a crybaby wah wah pedal is, guys, just to people uninitiated, it's just a pedal that you. It's like a gate. So when it's open, it makes a sound. It closes and make it makes a different sound. And you move the pedal back and forth to create that wow wow wow. It's basically a um, from my basic knowledge, it's a audio it's a audio modulator. It just modulates the the signal uh, in such a way that um, that you get that sort of wah wah wah. That sort of um, you know the it was overused by the disco in the seventies. You know wow 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 very porn uh, soundtrack. <laughs> you know I've come to clean the pool kind of thing, right? Um, uh, but he uses it to, to, to very fine effect in his solos. They're there. Can't always hear it, but it's there. Um, we'll mention that when we get to the song breakdowns. But um, I... I genuinely um, um, wonder how this album is sort of lost to time in the Sabbath's... Um, catalogue I do now listening to it you know I mean it got to number seven in the UK charts which is not you know by any means um is it a, a slouch it's it is mentioned that the the um uh Rolling Stone had it at number 32 of the best rock albums of all time out of its top 100 rock albums so 32 that's a good showing um when you think all the albums that could be that are up are lower than that you know um when it comes to it uh, it's a nice quickly paced album this i like 43 minutes 44 seconds you know i mean is that what it was what did i say it was oh my god 43 44 yeah so you know uh oh, you can get on the on the on a, an album comfortably now i'm listening to the original mix from my vinyl copy uh and i've got couple of them the american print australian print and the uk print so three i've got um i always go to the uk print because it's vertigo and uh no not vertigo dang 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 it's not vertigo no 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 they moved didn't they um 
Yeah, no, it's on Vertigo. Sorry, yes, it is on Vertigo. God, I've got the album here looking at it. They did move away after that from Vertigo. Um, that was a problem. Vertigo were shafting them. Uh, anyway, uh, as well. Um, brilliant label, Vertigo. Really underrated, you know. I got a lot of albums on Vertigo, particularly the uh, uh, the Sensational Alex Harvey Band albums. I love them. I always go back and I love the the label in the middle has got one of those hypnotic sort of swirls um, in it. I think it's brilliant. Anyway, oh, great label. Um, and when I actually, I don't think Vertigo was shafting, but it might have been part of the litigation. Who knows? Um, I have to read the book back again. But I mean, I made that up. So what was I saying? So yes, I'm listening to the original UK pressing. Um, the reissue, the 2019 reissue that you get on Spotify is very good. Um, but is they've cleaned it a bit. Um, so when you get to songs like um, uh, Thrill of It All, it's cleaner, whereas the my copy, now mine's in mint condition, so it's not the print of the record, because this happens across the three records I listen to this to make sure. It's much muddier in the mix. Um, so I think, um, try and find out, find find the original mix, maybe on CD, if you cassette if you've got it, vinyl if you don't. I think it is on Spotify, the original print of it. You have to hunt for it. A lot of these bands, they remove the original copies and they put on their reissues because A, they make more money from it, B, they think they're doing, they're making a better album, but really it's like um, your favourite uh, pair of shoes or your favourite jacket or your favourite jeans. When you put them on, you know, you remit, you go, oh, that's that. That's how I remember it. Um, you don't necessarily want something new and tweaked. Uh, yeah, the, the band get the product they wanted, um, but the world doesn't get that. And unless you're an audiophile, but like ourselves, that we listen to the show, you sort of get it. I personally always try and listen to the original mix. Um, that's saying that the new Fugazi uh, mix that came out last year, Marillion's second album, um, is an absolute stalker of a reissue because um, it wasn't as how they wanted it. I mean, Maiden's classic saying that they're trying to redo the first album because they don't like <coughs> they don't like the way that it was recorded. I've even heard rumours that Bruce Dickinson in the past was going to re-record the entire first two albums with his vocals. I think that's so they can shaft um, Diano personally, so they don't have to pay him as much. Um, yeah, I know. Am I being cynical? I probably am. Uh, should I not be? Probably, but you know, it is what it is. I am who I am. Um, I played it actually. I've just played um, Sabotage through my new speakers. I've just refurbished two beautiful Marantz 1980 um, cabinets. Now all the speakers were screwed in it, but I replaced all of them: the drivers, the the mid-range, and the subwoofers um, and it's got I didn't change any of the hardware inside and man they are so sweet really sweet um, and I've still got a Marantz subwoofer that works perfectly well if someone wants it a 12 inch to let me know uh, why, why would you want one I don't know but you may be after one to replace it's in great condition I have to change both subwoofers because um, it, it was standing in balanced um, because uh, one was a more one's a one was a paper cone from the 70s, and the other one, as I've, I bought a rubber coned one, uh, which is more bassier, and uh, yeah. Anyway, they're and this album sounds great for these speakers, absolutely great for the vintage. I, mean, I know they're not technically vintage speakers anymore, but the hardware in the back that drives it, that's vintage. All the all the um, all the uh, capacitors and resistors and the cabling. So, beautiful, beautiful sound. Anyway, yeah, try and hunt out the old copy. If not, listen to whatever you can get your hands on. Honestly, I just want you to listen to the album. Um, coming to the end of side one now. I'm going to go and warm my tea up. It's getting really cold out here. Um, I'm going to go and have some lunch. And then I'll pop back. And uh, we will um, talk about song by song on this, you know, wondrous um, fantastic piece of music. And like I said before, I got sidetracked. It's good that it's only 44 minutes because, as I've always mentioned before on this show, the demonization of the world when it comes to CDs. Oh, we can pack 100 minutes on this CD. Let's pack 100 minutes. Not only do you compress the sound so it's 
shiny plastic nonsense. Um, there's no warmth in it anymore. Um, and I've got, you know, I've got a really tailored ear and I can hear it and it upsets me. Um, and also we'll just put nonsense on it. We'll just put absolute crap on it. Now, strange little side note there. This album does have, if you get on some vinyl copies, and it is on the on the um, streaming copy, right at the end there's a there's a um, a secret thirty second track called "Blow on a Jug," where it's sort of really low volume, slowly recorded with um, Ozzy blowing on a jug and singing "Blow on a Jug." Um, <laughs> man, they must have been stoned, it, you know absolutely so much charlie that they wouldn't even know where to begin you know um anyway that's the end of this side off we go and i'll see you on the other side guys bye bye hey i'm ryan reynolds at mint mobile we like to do the opposite of what big wireless does they charge you a lot we charge you a little so naturally when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you that's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back, guys, to side two of my first um, Sabbath, uh, Sabbath foray for this month of Sabbath. Um, you might ask why I'm choosing Sabbath for this month. Uh, it's actually quite uh, an interesting note. Um, because Sabbath was my first ever gig, um, and it was been my year anniversary, even though I just did the year episode. Thank you guys for listening. It was got some really good numbers, people really good positive feedback. I know it's not um, Heavy Metal Man... But it's, you know, it's heavy and it's my love and my passion and my show. Um, but I thought I'd do Sabbath because of the, um, we're coming in, you know, it's a year anniversary. It's my favorite, it's my first ever live show and one of my favorite bands of all time. Very great memories of, of this band and the way it has affected my life. And I thought, well, you know, I can't do it in one album and I can't, I want to do it all in one month. And I might have to spread it over next, you know, do another month later in the year for honourable mentions, like technical ecstasy. Um, but no, I thought I'd start with this. So um, let's get on to the first track on side one. I hope you're hydrated. I know I am. I've had some lunch. Very nice. Um, 
Side one, Hole in the Sky. What can I say about Hole in the Sky? Uh, Bill Ward plays the toms on this and the cymbals on this. Um, as we've mentioned before in the first part of the show, um, uh, he plays them at 120 beats per minute and 180 beats per minute. So 120 beats for the toms and 180 for the cymbals. And it has this Afro-Cuban feel, like I mentioned before. I might have said Afro-Caribbean, Afro-Cuban feel. Um, and uh, Giza um, says that it's about pollution. Uh, and some people say it's about cosmic travel. Um I don't think it's about cosmic travel. Uh, I think it's I think it's a song that is um, so far advanced of its own self. Um, I mean, they had no idea about CFCs, chlorofluorocarbons, and what we were doing to the planet um, and ozone erosion back in the late uh, mid seventies. Well, they might have done. I doubt it. Um, and Giza's always been. This is very much a Giza song. Giza's always been. Um, uh, an intellectual. Uh, he's always been um, tuned in. I mean, you remember the folks. These are flower power people. Um, you know, I hate hippies. I don't have a thing. For, I don't really enjoy. I hate the word. Sorry. Rewind that. Scrap that. No, I don't hate hippies. I love prog music and most of the hippies. No, it's not hippies. It's the uh, it's the ineffectuality of that particular youth movement that annoys me. Okay. Anyway rant over so these guys are flower power people you know blues flower power um skiffle mod you know scar whatever they're all they're all they're all from that era and so you know geezer being his age then um you know probably in his well he was probably in his late 20s at the time you know uh and he's really in tune man with the world right and so there was a lot going on around then. Of course, you'd already had the Vietnam thing with Paranoid, right? So now this is his eco... I mean, he's written songs about ecology before as well. But it's very much that ecology. Uh, you know, the if you listen to the lyric all right, of this particular song... I'm looking through a hole in the sky. I'm seeing nowhere through the eyes, the eyes of a lie. I'm getting closer to the end of the line. I'm living easy where the sun doesn't shine. Um, I'm living in a room without any view. I'm living free because the rent's never due. The symptoms, the synonyms of all the things I've said are just riddles that are built in my head. Now, that has nothing to do with, um, nothing to do with ecology, right? Um, hole in the sky get away to heaven a gateway to heaven i think he's using um f- uh, you know a very well um a well trod path uh, there where he's where he's sort of um double meaning and uh you know if you look at the lyric okay um i'm living in a room without any view i'm living free because the rent is never due um what that says to me is that we're living on this planet rent free you know uh, we don't. We we we're not asked to look after it, so why do we care? We ain't got to pay for it, so why do we care? We just rape it as much as we can. Sorry for the R word, people. Um, uh, you know, a window in time through it I fly. Um, I've seen the stars disappear into the sun. Now again, I think this is about the end days. If you listen to the way that the the song just abruptly finishes, it just dies. You know, how many times in my past as a youth thought that I'd recorded it wrong? from the record or my record was broken when I first heard it I was recording onto tape I remember and it just stopped and I was like what I, what is it my tape fucked or something um no um and that's really all I can say about the song it's, it is it's I think it's one of Ozzy's really fine vocals I love the push and pull rhythm of it I think um you know uh Iomi's guitar just starts to warm up in this album this song it's a great live song um and it does it's it's what mid-era sabbath is all about it's uh, a message it's um beautifully recorded a big sound in a small space uh you know they're all they're all at this point you know six albums in and all those years touring before are now tight tight as a gnat's guff 
Um, you know, you, they're so tight, you couldn't get a credit card between the cheeks. You know what I mean? It is just timelessly tight. Um, and it's quite quick, you know. It runs in at three, minute, three minutes or so, and bang, it's out. And then you're into um, don't start brackets too late close brackets it's an instrumental again it's I, I all i've written here honestly is just a way of tony showing his beautiful guitar skills you know he wanted to move away it's also i think a way of just because they ended hole in the sky so abruptly they needed to roll a bit and soften the edge into the next one which is a monster of a track so they used a little bit of music just to interlude this is the progressiveness this is why i think this is a daring album for them because it's not straightforward, nose to the grindstone, asses up, heads down, chug, 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 chug. Not that they were ever that way anyway, but it's not that way, is it? it, it it's, um, you know, you, you, um, can you imagine you're, you're a, an, a 15, 16-year-old boy or girl and you've bought Sabotage because you listen to your brother's um, albums, you know, the previous albums, and think, geez, these are so heavy. And you put it on, and it opens with Hole in the Sky, which is heavy, but, yeah, you know, eh, not that heavy. And then it suddenly diverts completely into this sort of soft melange, melange, uh, of, uh, you know, semi-acoustic, um, tom-tommy-driven, um, light refreshingness, and riffage, if riffage in there as well. And then bang, you're out. And, and you're into symptoms of the universe. Sabbaths epoch making song you know you can say paranoid you can say war pigs you can say sabbath bloody sabbath you can say anything you like all right but of the of the of the the aussie era albums symptom of the universe um is so wondrously um heavy and so deliciously um sabbath you know it has that push pause i mentioned that drawn into the rhythm pushed out of the rhythm drawn into the rhythm pushed out into the rhythm it's timeless riffage you know um you can hear zeppelin in it i feel hear a lot of zeppelin um you can you can it can it's like they've just put the heaviness pedal on and turned it to 10 uh um it's You've got to take note that they were taking a shitload of drugs. And this song really, really um, shows it. You know, the, the Tony's breakdown at the end, the guitar breakdown at the end is exquisite, right? Um, it's... Okay, so lyrically, all right? If we're going to pull apart a song lyrically, um, let's go to... Oh, oh that's side plane. Do you hear that? Let's see what happens when I... Um, turn the volume down okay um take me through the centuries to supersonic years electrifying enemies drowning in these tears all i have to give you is love that never dies the symptom of the universe is written in your eyes yeah yeah right mother mooch is calling me back to her silver womb father of creation takes me from the stolen tomb seventh advent unicorn is waiting in the skies a symptom of the universe love that never dies now Ignore the unicorn stuff and the mooch stuff. I'm sure that, again, that's a lot of wacky weed, a lot of sprinkle uh, angel dust and so on. Uh, uh, it is obviously something they were reading. I personally think that they were heavily, well, Geezer and Ozzy and the band were heavily reading or influenced by um, Aldous Huxley's masterwork, um, The Doors of Perception, written in the 60s. Or even, I'd say, probably um, Brave New World, which is obviously it was influenced Maiden later on, many years later. Um, there's a lot of that sort of peyote drinking, um, uh, sort of mind expanding imagery in this song. Um, I also think they were probably sort of influenced by. Um, in some respect, I think they were influenced by William S. Burroughs' um, Naked Lunch, which was filmed uh, many years later by uh, uh, David Cronenberg. It's a whacked-out, crazy nut of a movie, and so is the book. Um, so I think that they were, yeah, they were more influenced by that 
um, because bands people were more influenced by the written word back then because you didn't have the media um, tv and film to influence you um it is a glorious live song uh, i think it's ozzy's best one of ozzy's best vocal performances you can really hear the expanse in the music um tony's guitar is i mean what can i say i can't keep reviewing Iomi's riffs. Iomi is the riff master of them all. His riffage is 110%. If you know, I don't know, he's not kind of 110%, but it's 110% the best riffage on the planet. Um, there's so much riffage there, you're always going to have a, a very good gut health. <laughs> anyway, um, I, you know, the old joke, I listen to, to Iomi's riffage so much now that I. Quite constant. I'm very regular. Uh, not very funny, but I loved it. Okay, uh, so that's that. I mean, that really is symptoms of the universe. I mean, most of us that have heard it have heard it. Um, it's got that really great call and answer staccato to it, you know, and that kind of rhythm. That dun, 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 dun. you know, it's sort of it's. You know, there's something about the way that Tony hits those strings. I know that he's, we all know about his fingers damage these on his on his his, his fretting fingers. We all know that. Um, we all know that he had to use lighter strings and viola strings and all that sort of stuff and whatever, um, lighter gauge strings. And he invented the use of lighter gauge strings and drop tuning and whatever. But it's just his ability to see a rhythm within a constraint of the twelve-part blues. You know, he's not out there million note solos, right? He's not some Steve Vai, um, you know, so Joe Satriani, Herman Lee, um, you know, pyrotechnics. He's not that. He doesn't need it. Um, to some extent, that's why Kiss's guitar riffs are so good. I'm not a Kiss fan. In fact, I don't like the band at all. But um, they do write crunchingly good guitar riffs, and that's basically why sabbath are the way they are anyway we move on from sin to the universe i can't say too much more about it i just think you know it is i think the pinnacle of their of the, of the aussie era songs um it is a crazy lyric it is a crazy um you know uh drug filled um paranoia but i think it's you know it, it really balances well with hole in the sky and then you go into Megalomania. Megalomania, now, wow, this is my kind of thing. I really fucking love this song. This is classic Sabbath. Classic, classic Sabbath. Um, uh, why is it classic that Sabbath? I hear you cry, Tony. I think it's classic Sabbath. Lyrically, uh, rhythmically, it is solid. It feels like if you listen to the music and you close your eyes, it can almost feel its shape. Does that sound wanky? Um, I've said before that I listen to music and I hear music in shape form, okay? Some people in colours, I feel it in shapes. You know, I feel, um, you know, a lot of, like, like for instance, uh, like I've said to John before, I feel Pink Floyd is angular, like pointed and, 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 and geometric. Whereas, like, Yes and Genesis and Marillion and, and things are, are, are curved and, and, and cloud-like. And Maiden is to me is is very much like that in fact maiden's a healthy mix of both um anyway megalomania megalomania it is it is um it's so dense okay um the triplets that tony puts in his guitar soloing is just it's just there in the back but it's oh, the ability to feel the space musically is second to none in this song i think i've written here now the vocal performance that comes in is so Aussie, so how he you know people said Aussie can't couldn't sing, can't sing. What a load of fucking bullshit! And I've swore a lot in this episode. Sorry, I've I've had some with Dad going on. I mean, my brain. I don't mean to be rude, um, but still, it makes me. I'm very passionate about this. Aussie's vocal point for him to sing along in the register that he does. Uh, the key he does with Tony's guitar, not many people could do it. Because, like John Lydon always said, oh, and for you, that's for those who don't know, that's uh, Johnny Rotten with the Sex Pistols. You know, 
he got that way because he couldn't hear himself sing in the monitors when he was practicing. Like John said, I didn't realize it was that kind of honky-donky, right? Um, when he heard himself back. And the same with Ozzy, because he didn't hear himself for many years. They didn't have fold-backs and all that sort of stuff. They just played and recorded and, and just played, right? And so his vocal style was built that way. Um, could he sustain it? No. With the drugs, could he? No. Um, but then no one's vocal, I mean, apart from someone freaky like, you know, um, you know, I know, Rob Halford, you know, there's not many people whose vocal, uh, vocal lines can be as um, as fresh now as then. Uh, and he, he really holds that, you know. Um, it's Bill's Tom's and Metronomic. Um, this is the... This sound for me is the DNA of the, that many bands take from them. It's in it's in most heavy rock and heavy metal's DNA comes from this one song. This rhythm and sound in in Megalomania is exactly the sound. It is the sound of modern heavy metal. If anything, it is the sound of new wave of British heavy metal. It is. Really, I think I'm going on the, on out on the limb here and saying that's what how I feel. Um, and lyrically, okay, so I hide myself in shadows of shame. The silent symphonies were playing their game. My body echoed to the dreams of my soul. In, inside is something that I could not control. Where can I run to now? The joke is on me. No sympathizing God is insanity. Um, again, I think this is a like Hole in the Sky, I think it's an attack on Christianity and organised religion. Not, though, people please be out there who are who devoutly religion to not listen. It's not um, that kind of attack. It's, it's I think, someone's disillusionment. I think I think Geezer had lost some family members around that time. Um, marriages weren't doing well. Drugs um, were being played. And when your mind is open to perceptions, like, like they are... On um, some of these, on some of these songs, uh, with the use of drugs and with the reading of of, of literature like uh, Doors of Perception and you know um, Naked Lunch and and uh, I said um, Brave New World, uh, they you're going to question uh, the basis of humanity and structures of humanity and most structures of humanity is structured, is structured around organized or some form of um, theological uh, base isn't it so he does he does in this question it and I think um, I don't no, here's a lyric here the ghosts of violence were something I've seen I've sold my soul to the human obscene it's really heavy man <laughs> how did my fantasies take complete control i mean also it could be i mean at that time there was a lot of um uh, of of serial killers there was a lot of violence in the community maybe he's reaching out and you know he's tapping into something like a ted bundy thing i mean who knows you know all the all the um or the uh, the neurosis of someone like the Zodiac killings, or you know, they were spending a lot of time in America, and and you know, America has the highest capacity of serial killers in the world. Uh, it still does, and so maybe it's that. Maybe he's tapping into that. I wouldn't mind researching this one a bit more, actually. Um, sometimes it works. The researcher sometimes is sort of just hey, why don't you sit back and enjoy the bloody song, you know. Uh, is heavy, but it's heavy themes. As I said, there's a lot of depression in those themes as well. Um, megalomania is a form of mental illness. Um, it's being pushed. Everyone we will know the, the stories of of megalomaniac people. You know, um, Genghis Khan, Adolf Hitler. You know, um, Mussolini, Mao. Um, Stalin, you know, we've, you know, it, these are not people that we don't know about. These are megalomaniac people that control the world and and try to control the world. And I think that's probably what he's doing as well. He's probably trying to get in the minds of them. Very clever man, um, Giza. Giza's behind the song. It feels like Giza's thumbprint all over it. Um, speaking of Giza's thumbprint, I, um, 
Oh, Venom, Venom Inc. do a really good cover version of it as well. I used to use um, Geezer Butler's uh, signature bass strings. He has these black coated ones. Man, burnt my fingers, man. Flipping hard use, hard work. I don't know how he does it. Um, anyway, then we, we go to side two. This is, again, been a long round, I'm sorry. We turn to side two and we get Thrill of It All. Um, it's a muddy mix, as I said before. It's punchy. It punches through, though. It's a very bluesy number. It's probably the bluesiest song they've ever done, I think. Uh, it echoes um, the whole album, that the the space in which the, the band play. It's a very prototypical uh, song for a lot of our songs that Ozzy would go ahead on to make in the future. Um, it, again, also is another sort of snipe, organized religion. Um, it's, it's, I think it's my favorite song on the album outside of Symptoms of the Universe. It's one of those songs that probably people have lost. I mean, when you, when you make as many al- albums, as many songs as Sabbath does, uh, you're going to lose some of the mix. You know, these things get lost in the mix, right? Um, lyrically, you know, again, um, uh, Jesus is, uh, or you know, is mentioned. Um, inclination of direction, walk the turn, the turned and twisted rift. With the children of creation, futuristic dreams we sift. Clutching violently, we whisper with a liquidity, liquefying cry. Any identify, uh, uh, sorry, any identity. I can't read today, guys. <sighs> Any identify the answers that are surely doomed to die. Won't you help me, Mr. Jesus? Won't you let me won't you tell me if you can? When you see the word we live in the world we live in, do you still believe in man? So again, you know, these are heavy, man. And it will all be Aldous Huxley, it will all be that sort of shit. It'll all be drugs related. Um but scrapping the lyric aside, this step back and listen to the music and how does someone as you have to be a genius. This is Tony's genius. Take oh, and Bill Ward's and Geezer's. No, please, it's not take the, the whole band and Aussie. And they take um, heavy subjects and they move it and blend it into blues music. As I said, there's an episode about four episodes back now. I think is where did the blues go, man? And this is so effing. See, almost with it. So fudgingly apt, man. Um, they're so bluesy and so heavy and so wondrous. And I think this is it, right? Where did the blues go, man? It it dies around, dies with these guys in the metal world. As soon as Sabbath started um, slowing down, the blues died in heavy rock. And I think this is really its pinnacle here in the, around this song here. And then, um, it's a, what have I wrote here? This progginess to it does sound almost like um, they were listening to a lot of West Coast American music. They were in America at the time, touring. I, was, I wrote Boston down as, as a sort of listening note, but Boston's album was two years afterwards, so Boston were probably influenced by this song. Um, there's a lot of like, almost like they're, they're trying to channel a bit of um, Leonard Skinner almost in it. Uh, Crazingly enough, thought what a crazy thought that is. But anyway, uh, this move from there because um, I've got to speed up. We're running out of time, guys. Sorry. Into um, I'm, am I going insane? Open brackets, radio, close brackets, edit. Um, now that doesn't mean it's a radio edit, guys. People get this confused a lot. What that means is actually a Cockney rhyming slang. I'm from a family of Cockneys. It's the East End of London. It's the way they, it's the way they would use a language like um, the gay community in the 50s with a thing called, called Polari, where they would have words like lallies for legs and raya for hair, so that they could speak uh, and be sexual amongst themselves without the not because it was a criminal fact uh, um, offence to be gay um, in the UK uh, at that time. Um, and so they could talk amongst themselves and one would know what they're talking about. Very theatrical, it was mainly in the theatre. But Cockney rhyming slang is, uh, radio rental is a Cockney rhyming slang for mental. Sorry to use the M word out there, it's not, I'm not trying to offend, but it's what it is. So am I going insane? What it's, it, This song is what it does, it says on the label, okay? Wonderful chromatic scale vocal uh, line in it. Um, the key that um, that they're playing in is uplifting for a a depressing subject. 
bills, symbols that you know are gated are genuinely beautiful. Um, it's full of paranoia, okay? It's full of doubt. Um, it's sonically, pro you know, it's a single, so they had to do something. They, you could never release Megalomaniac or Sims of the Universe single then. It wouldn't have had radio play. Not that I saw this would get any radio play. I couldn't even find what number it got to in the charts when I was doing my research. Um, I think this is, again, Ozzy's influence on this song. It's very ballady-like, even though it's not a ballad. You know, he likes a ballad, doesn't he, out as Ozzy? And I think this is sort of... Um, sort of you know um going up there oh i missed one sorry tick back whoop zip that whoop, 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 whoop. i miss um i missed the instrumental um superstar superstars um that's spelled s-t-z-a-r um it's a few it's only a minute or so long uh it just breaks the heaviness i think of frid of all into um the uh crazy pop um, uh, lightness and madness of the of of um, am I going insane? Uh, it, it, that's how I feel uh, about that particular piece of music. It doesn't really stay with me very long. I think it's a filler. Um, I often say these albums are all killer, no filler, filler. But this is a bit filler. I think again, it's very much like the other instrumental, which is to break the album up. They probably had needed to get the album to forty minutes and thought, well, shit, we can't record another song. Um, what do we do? And I think this is probably a bit of that. So it's a bit. That's probably why I missed it. Sorry, guys. If any of you out there love that piece of music, I am sorry if I've missed it or didn't give it enough um, of it uh, of kudos. Anyway, um, it's quite disturbing. I will say that as a piece of music, it's quite juxtapositional. I wrote juxtapositional. Um, as I know I love lots of long words, and that's one of them. Uh, it does feel like it's sort of doesn't sit on the album anyway back to uh am i going insane everybody's looking at me feeling paranoid inside when i step outside i feel free think i'll find a place to hide tell me people am i going insane now that when i step outside i feel free what is i think there is that i'm taking these drugs and i am open and free because i don't i suppress my true um Jungian feelings, let's say that. You could be a Jung at heart. You could be Jung at heart. Or you could be Freudian. Who knows? You know, I heard, I once said someone that um, it's a bit of a Freudian slip. And I said I didn't know he wore under women's underwear. Anyway, um, uh, sorry. I'm just trying to like the mood of this particular song. Every day I sit and wonder how my life is used to be. Now I feel like going under. Now my life is hard to see. I think he, I think as well, the Aussie from memory was also going through um, relationship issues as well and i think this is this is ozzy's song this is his song on the album this is my song guys time to shine um and it's only a short song look it 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 does deal with mental health issues i don't think he's not he's certainly not light um going over with a light eye um it's, it's still quite a heavy song but it's one of my favorite songs of his it is very much a prototypical Ozzy would jump back and play this sort of music much later in his solo careers and even later in the latest Sabbath albums. Um, we'll go quickly on to the last track of the album, The Writ. Now, that's what it is, isn't it? They're going through uh, litigation with their management. This really says it all. Um, it's just basically about uh, the fact that they are in 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 uh, financial strife as well. The way I feel is the way I am. I wish I'd walked before I started to run. Brilliant. So it's saying, hey, I wish I knew more about what I'd signed. Now, that's, that's music industry 101, isn't it? What kind of people do you think we are? Another joker who's a rock and roll star. Yeah, see, it's a stab, stab, stab. Endless ocean of emotion. I swam for you. Yeah, for you. The shot troopers laying down on the, on the, on, on the floor. So it's basically saying that, you know, um, we made you your fortune. We put our body on the line, our soul. I did quote, um, I made a quote to one of my good friends the other night. Um, so I can find it. Um, where is it? Okay. 
What did I say? I said, there is something unworldly about the people who bear their souls to make us music. And each and every one of us is a hero to me, of them is a hero to me. Uh, now, I said that because we're talking about Lemmy and people. Uh, um, chatting about Motorhead at the time. Um, and I think this is what this this is what he's saying. They're saying here, we are your heroes. We made who you are, um, and you're taking from us, uh, and you're not giving us back. You know, we bared our soul musically, and you're not allowing. You're not recompensing us for that. It's torturous to make music, guys out there. I'm sure there's a lot of you out there listening who do write and record music and are in bands, and who are artistic, artistic or creative in general. Um, and I have been creative all my life, and it is a soul-tearing thing to do to be creative. Even this um, can be quite arduous at times. I mean, I you know I stand at the door going to record, and I do feel like I don't want to do it. Um, I feel you know stressed. I talk my ass off. I don't care. But I just think, oh my god, you know, this, I'm burying my soul a bit here and every now and again. A little piece of me is going, and and this is why. Um, I think they get with a rip. Um, there's a wonderful bit at the end where there's a mad laughing and a, a giggling. And a lot of people in the past have thought it was Ozzy Osbourne's daughter, Jessica. It's actually not. The sound engineer found a tape uh, in the studio lying around on the floor, um, marked laugh. And he put it on and it was this mad laugh that someone had recorded. Um, sort of insane laugh. So they sped it up and they played it through at the end. Um, uh, it's, uh, it is... Yeah, so it is what it is. That that album is um, also that was on the end of <clears throat> that laugh is on the end of. Oh, am I going insane? I mean, I'm looking at my notes. My page went over. Apologise. So don't think about that. The writs here, as I've got. So it is. There's a good in musically. It's quite pushy, poorly. Like I said, if that's a way I can sort of um, describe it, the low bubbling wah wah of Tony on there. Um, this is, I think, I've made a big note in big letters. I've said Ozzy's best vocal performance. The change of direction through the album is so evident that the Ozzy's, um, uh, how Ozzy's tortured soul was at the time, and all the rest of the bands. It it does not have a um, a diametrically. Sorry, all the songs are diametrically opposed. There are a couple of links. Um, there was obviously mental health. Is a big tick on this and um, being used by record companies, big tick on it. But there's also underlying um, vocal uh, nuances, you know, about about the world they live in, um, about the world that their family will inherit. Uh, you know, there is still that slight hippie flower power thing going on. But at this time, instead of sitting in a field twiddling flowers, and making love with each other, which still is a wonderful thing, but not not changing the world, is it? But what Ozzy and the band were trying to do is change the world, you know. And I think people that listen to this music in the past have thought that. I'm sure there are people out there who are, um, you know, advocates and big names in the world of of ecology and mental health have listened to these records and have taken note and they're probably subconsciously or through osmosis set into their systems. Um, I'm not saying that this is um, the most, you know, uh, poignant album of all time and we should listen to it. No, it is still a rock and roll album. It's still there to entertain. Uh, it's just a lot darker and a lot heavier and so much, for me, the most interesting of the first Aussie albums i hope you've enjoyed this um this chat about it i want you to go and listen tell me what you think i would also please do jump on to my facebook page um heavy metal tones and message me i would love to know what you want that fourth week to be i'm still not sure um i, I might do a best of all the rest um quick delve into it um next week's is going to be ronnie james dio uh the week after that will be tony martin and then as I said, where we go from there, it might be up to you guys. I might do a poll and see if you will vote. Um, and see if I can know how to do it that technically. I'm not the most gifted with this stuff. Um, well, bye for now. Keep safe. Keep well. Keep rocking. And as I said at the beginning of the show, any of you out there, anyone living with someone or, or is living with any mental health issues in any level or form that was affecting the way you live, 
do reach out. Please reach out. If it's not reaching out to your family members, it's reaching out to yourself. Um, because there is always an answer and there is always a way out into the sunny uplands of mental stability. Okay, guys? Um, if rock and roll is your way of keeping you safe and men- mentally health, then go for it. If listening to heavy metal is your way of making you mentally safe and healthy, go for it. Loud as you possibly can. And if someone says to you, turn that music down, you say no, because it helps the noises in my head feel better. Okay? So I am, you know, we've all lived with it, guys. Sorry to end on a bummer, but we all have. Good luck. Safe mental health, as Frazier would say. And uh, I'll see you next week for the Ronnie James Dio years. Bye, guys. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 